Welcome to another iGrow season at APC. We're so glad you've tuned in. Our church is blessed with excellent teachers of the Word of God, and our hope is that you find today's teaching enlightening, motivational, and encouraging. To learn more about our church, visit theapc.org or find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's lesson. situation right now here's what I'm dealing with and I think that a better approach or the approach I'm going to take rather is how do we get ahead of that so in football I'm not like a sports person one time I asked Nate to like tackle his own teammate but um if you are in the defense role right you are trying to chase the person that's with the ball, that's trying to score. If you're on the offensive side, you have the ball in your hand and you are the person that's trying to score. So we want the ball in our hand and right now, we have the ball in our hand with our kids, right? They're not in the world. If they are in the world, we can still intercept and take control over the situation. Um, So basically, again, I already said it, and I'll probably repeat myself a lot, really taking a proactive, approach rather than a reactive approach, I think is probably the most effective way if you're in the, um, if you're in a situation where you can do that. Darren and I, when we got into church, we were really in, um, we were in a reactive place, so we had to figure out how to undo a lot of the things that we had allowed to be done. So my hope today is to give you a reminder of what you already know and then some tools to help you in situations that maybe you as a parent or your children may end up in at some point in their lives and they probably will especially with today's society so um to start when i heard the word cunning attacks the first thing that i did was i went and i looked up the word cunning so the word cunning means having or showing skill and achieving one's end by deceit or evasion So we all know that the mission of the devil is to deceive us, is to achieve our end. And honestly, it's really the mission of our flesh as well. It's our nature to want to do things that are not good for us because of the fall of man. I also looked up the word deceit just to make sure I understood what the word deceit meant. And the word deceit means to be deceived is the action or practice of deceiving someone by concealing or misrepresenting the truth. And so I think that everybody in this room knows that when you're deceived, you don't know it because you're deceived. Psalms 127, 3 and 4 says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Our children are a blessing to us. That's what the scripture tells us. It also tells us eventually we're going to shoot them out into the world and we need to make sure that they're equipped to have what they need to be successful in the world, spiritually speaking. 
As adults, as parents, we are not in control of the actions of other people. We know culture today is tough, but what we are in control of and what we're responsible for is providing our kids the tools that they need to navigate through different situations that are going to come their way um, while they're navigating life in general. It's hard for us as adults to navigate, let alone kids, so we need to give them what they need in order to be able to do that. Um, and like I said, arrows, we're shooting them into this world. Once they leave our nest, they're gone. But they're gonna need these tools while they're in the nest too. They're gonna need these tools um, when they're in our schools, they're, even if it's a Christian school, unless they're going to an apostolic school, they're gonna need these tools. And we need to make sure we have them so that nothing slips under the radar, because that's where those sneaky attacks really come in. You, your children, anyone can appear to be rooted, but nobody really knows what's going on in our hearts. Nobody but God. During COVID, I think, you know, a lot of people walked away from the Lord, people that we thought were solid, and we wondered, how in the world did that happen? That person was, they were solid. They had it all together. But no man knows the heart, and the, you know, scripture tells us our heart is desperately wicked. So we don't even know our own hearts, really, and we can be deceived and not know it. We need to make sure that we're helping our kids as much as possible to be able to overcome the opposition that's going to come their way, both in the world and in their own minds and in their own hearts. None of us are above backsliding. None of us are above backsliding. If we are in this flesh, we're not exempt from walking away from the Lord. Our kids, no matter how solid, are not exempt from walking away from the truth. We need to make sure that we're doing what we can to set them up for spiritual success and not conforming as culture tries to creep in. We need to teach them how to appropriately handle situations, how to appropriately communicate, and how to have a good solid foundation. So how do we prepare our kids in advance to navigate through life and make right choices? To make an impact, spiritually speaking, in this world that is positive, to assure that they're not conforming to the ways of this world, to today's culture, um, and what's considered to be normal and acceptable. And we've all ran into these situations, and some of us may not have known how to handle them. Why wouldn't we want to equip our kids with this information, with this knowledge? So first and foremost, we need to give our kids the tool of basic Bible disciplines. Not by teaching our kids, not teaching our kids by telling them, but making sure that we're teaching our kids by showing them. When we do this, we're building spiritual walls up in our home, and our kids are under this umbrella of protection, and we keep that wall up as long as we are doing those things. So what are your spiritual disciplines? The three key disciplines that I have written down that we need to be passing along to our kids are we need to be getting into the Word. Our kids need to see that we're getting into the word and not just hear us say, hey, are you getting into the word? Or, you know, maybe quoting scripture here or there or opening up our Bible on a Sunday or a Wednesday. They've got to see us doing it. They're not going to do it on their own if they don't see us do it on our own. We need to, we, we need to pray. So getting into the word, praying. We need to pray in our homes. We need to make sure they see us pray. I remember when Darren and I were first getting back into church, um, I was in my room and I was praying and I pray out loud and I remember thinking, oh, 
they're they're gonna hear me. I don't want them to think anything, you know, about me praying or whatever. I don't want them to think I think that I'm holier than thou or anything like that. And I remember the Lord really speaking to me. They they're not gonna know unless they hear you. They need to know. My kids need to know that I am praying. They need to hear me to pray. Mm -hmm. Them hearing me pray is teaching them how to pray and teaching them to pray. Not just praying in the prayer room on Sunday morning if I go to the prayer room. Not just praying when I go to the altar. Like praying, that's part of my lifestyle. It is a biblical discipline that I have and that I have taught my children, my husband and I have taught our children to have. Fasting is the third one. We need to let our kids know when we're fasting. And I know that that sounds like, well, that kind of contradicts what I've known. How are your kids going to know that you're doing it unless you're telling them? And they need to know, hey, I'm fasting. Here's why. I need to crucify my flesh. I need to be sensitive to the spirit. Scripture tells me that this helps me to submit myself to the Lord. I'm not doing it so my kids are, oh, mom and dad, they're amazing, they're so holy, they're fasting. No, speak to your kids, let them know. This is why we fast, and we don't walk around and tell everybody that we're fasting, but I want you to know mommy's fasting, and that's why I'm not sitting here eating breakfast with you today. Instead, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to read my Bible. And be consistent. Being consistent, your biblical disciplines aren't disciplines unless you're being consistent. And that is... Again, this is key for our kids, this is key for their foundation, and this definitely helps so that those cunning attacks aren't slipping in as easily. We're more sensitive to the spirit. This is also teaching our kids um, how to have a relationship. When our kids are younger, this is the beginning of their walk with the Lord. Again, this is the foundation, and this is where they're gonna grow. I know I keep kind of saying it's the foundation, but guys, it's the foundation. Spiritual principles. For just the sake of this Bible study, I do have a few principles that I want to talk about um, so that we can hand off our kids into this world to be successful Christians in today's culture. The first one's love. Treat people with dignity and respect and don't be a respecter of persons. Jesus robed himself in flesh. He humbled himself. He was born of a woman. You know, he slept in a manger. He didn't think himself better than anybody. And John, scripture tells us he washed the feet of the disciples, the gross, dirty, calloused feet of the disciples. Maybe they had ingrown toenails and fungus. He washed them. Be that way. <laughs> we, we need to teach our kids to be that way by who we are. Nothing that we tell our kids is going to make as much of an impact as by doing what we're telling our kids. Do not talk bad about people in front of your kids. We shouldn't be talking about people at all, but especially in front of our kids. This teaches our kids that gossip is acceptable, and gossip within your family is still gossip, and it's still not acceptable. And if you do not accept it and you do not participate it, likely your children will not either. If you do, you're teaching your kids that you show somebody love to their face, and behind their back, you talk poorly about them, and that's not God's love. The world already feels unloved, and the biggest impact our kids can have in their schools and with their peers is really based on how they interact and treat other people. Teaching our kids to love not only inside of the church, but outside of the church. The people that don't look like them, the people that don't smell like them, the people that do not dress like them. And we need to teach our kids how to love these people, and quite honestly, 
this will get ahead of a lot of the trials that they could face, right? Because they're not gonna face them because certain conversations aren't going to be had because your children are gonna be looked at a certain way, right? A more respected way. And it's going to help them in those situations when they do arise to know how to navigate. Ephesians 4.15 says, but speaking the truth in love, in all things, both our speech and our lives expressing his truth, let us grow up in all things into him, following his example, who has had Christ. So this tells us we need to speak the truth in love. Another biblical principle is wisdom. So we should not just respond or speak out our thoughts with our emotions, right? We need to think things through. We need to pray over the things that we're thinking before we say them when we have an opportunity. Proverbs 3, 6 says, in all our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our path. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to counsel. There are tons of scripture that talk about how we want to respond. The reason is, that's how we want to respond because we're humans and we can't respond how we want to respond and make an impact in this world and make a spiritual impact and bring people into the church. Our kids are watching us. If we are bowing off at the mouth and saying things, our kids are watching us. Our kids are going to follow suit and do those things. We need to be teaching them not to do those things. Those things are going to cause them trouble later on in life. Teaching our kids that a soft answer turns away wrath. Teaching our kids to not respond irrationally and emotionally. These are very important. To respond with wisdom, to respond with discretion is key for influence in today's culture. I already said that, but I'll just say it again. Many people are spouting off their thoughts in just one-on-one -on -one conversations on Facebook, on social media. And as Christians, we can't do that. We can't afford to do that. And we need to teach our kids the same. People are watching, and if we're debating, and if we're throwing out our own opinions and our own agendas, or even if we're throwing out Bible in an aggressive way, that's not going to be heard. That's not going to be heard by people with an opposing view. And certainly if we invite somebody who has watched us aggressively give scripture and why certain things are not right, they're not going to want to come to church with you. I wouldn't want to go to church with somebody that told me that what I was doing like was going to send me to hell and it was a lifestyle that I fully approved of. You know, They don't know. They don't know. We can't expect them to know what they don't know. And we need to teach our kids to, to behave the same way. We have free speech. It was said at General Conference, and I've said it a million times. We can say whatever it is that we want to say. Like we, we can get on Facebook and we can say it, but is, how do you want to use that platform? Do you want to use it to cause division? Do you really think you're changing somebody's mind? And we need to tell our kids that. You know, Nathan is 23 years old. And during um, voting season, the kid never gets on Facebook. But he sure was on there when the election came around and he was looking to see what all the Christians were writing. He wanted to see. 
And he would get on there and he would say things. And well, he got on one person's and he said something and it wasn't nice. And they reached out to me, even though Nathan's 23 years old. But I'm glad because I'm still parenting my 23 year old. And I reach out to him and I explain to him like, good people just don't react that way. Like, you just shouldn't put that out there. You shouldn't try to debate people. You shouldn't try to like pull people along. And my 23 year old backslidden kid who believes in a lot of things who agrees with a lot of things that I do not agree with, he removed that, like he knew. I shouldn't have put that. I'm still teaching my kids, and they're still listening. He does not have to listen to me. He does not live at home. Um, please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. There is a time to speak up. There is a time to speak the truth. We need to teach our kids how to discern that time, how to use wisdom, to know the right time, how to say things in person, when it's appropriate to say things, when it's not appropriate to say things. Timing is everything, approach is everything, and these are all in wisdom, and we need to teach this to our kids. And we need to make sure that they're delivering it in love, not aggressively. And then finally, of um, biblical principles is integrity. We need to make sure that we're doing the right thing when nobody's watching because our kids are probably watching. My 19-year-old still watches me. She still watches Darren. Our 23-year-old still watches me, still watches Darren. They're watching how we're interacting with people. They're watching how we respond to things that are going on in society, especially Nathan. He likes to pick my brain. And I always speak truth and love. And his response to me often is, but you're one of the only people that's like that. You're an exception. I'm not an exception. I'm not an exception, right? I shouldn't be an exception. We all can teach the truth and love and stand up for what we believe in, and we need to teach our kids how to do that. I know that's kind of a hard topic when you're talking about politics and when you're talking about certain views. Everybody here knows Nathan. Um, but these are things we need to be able, we need to be talking to our kids about. These are conversations that we need to be preparing our kids to have because they're going to have them. Um, so we need to make sure that we are doing everything that we are doing in love. We need to, um, sorry, lost my place. Um, hold on a second. Okay. Be who you are no matter who you're with. Be who you are when you're with your family. Be who you are when you're at the church. Be who you are when you're at work. Be who you are when you're with your family that's not in church. Be who you are when you're with your backslidden family. Doing this is going to show your kids that you are who you are and you don't act different ways in different places with different people. It's going to show your kids that you are solid and that you are who you are and you don't adjust based on who you're with. You don't change things and compromise based on who you are with. You are who you are. And if you're not doing that, if you are a different person somewhere else, we're teaching our children really to live a double life. And your kids are watching and they'll follow your lead. So the next thing that I'm gonna talk about is communication. I'm gonna really hit hard on communication because I feel like the lack thereof 
and not knowing how to, not teaching our kids and not knowing ourselves how to articulate our thoughts and how to properly communicate, it creates such an easy way for the enemy to slip into our homes without us knowing, right? So the other things that I mentioned, they're things that we can use to prepare our kids so that they are ready for when things come their way. But this is, communication is so important. In order to communicate and teach our kids to communicate in a godly manner, we need to have the spiritual disciplines because they're the activator of the godly love, of the wisdom, of the integrity. We don't know, we don't necessarily have the filter to have those things if we're not praying, fasting, and reading. We're operating out of our flesh and we don't really care about godly love, wisdom, and integrity. Um, we need to be comfortable communicating to our kids and not just assuming that they're catching on to what's being taught in church, to what's being taught in Sunday school. We need to discuss our values, our beliefs, and we need to not only discuss them with our kids, back to the scripture. There's power in knowing the why. So something that I learned when I became an admin was people have buy-in when they know the why. So I learned this before I was in marketing, but when I was in marketing, I'm gonna use a marketing example. So I'm working in an assisted living community and somebody has a parent that's an elder and I say, put your deposit here, this is where your parent wants to go because it's a good place. They're probably not going to put down a deposit. You come to me with your elderly parent and I say, this is a wonderful place to be. We get our hair done, we have activities, we go on trips, we play games, we have meals. Your loved one, their life will be enriched by being in this community. This is the place for them. They will always be safe, the doors are locked. Somebody's probably gonna give me a deposit because they know why. They see the benefits, they understand it. They're, they know the motivation behind why we're trying to get a deposit, right? Our kids need to know the why. We should never say to our kids, because it's our religion, because it's my house, because it's my rules, because I said so. Because they don't know why. They don't know why then. They have no clue. They're just doing what they were told. And I'm sure some of us have done that. And you know, those who were raised in church, those who were raised out of church. And our kids need to be bought into this. So, um, joke about it. Moses' mother. Harad, Herod, I don't know how to say it, whatever. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He ordered for all males two and under to be murdered. So Jochebed puts him in a basket, she puts him in the river. Uh, Moses is found by the king's daughter. Jochebed ends up taking him, nursing him. She has Moses for a super short time. She has Moses for maybe five years. We don't, I don't know how old Moses was, between one and two. So she had him for at least five years, a very, very, very short time. She had to instill in him who he really was. So she had to talk to him over and over and over and over and over again, telling him who he is, who he is, who he is, who he is. And then when he was five years old, she says, you're going to live in Egypt now, but remember, you're not of Egypt. And that's what we're telling our kids. You live in this world, but you are not of this world. They need to know, we need to go over it, over and over and over and over again. There's a saying that says, we give our kids two lasting things, 
roots and wings, roots that bind them to truth and their heritage and wings to soar into their future. And Jochebed did that. And we're blessed because of it. And we can do that for our kids and our grandkids and generations to come so the Lord Terry can be blessed from that. So Jochebed had minimal time with her boy. There are 168 hours in a week. On average, our kids in Sunday school are in, are in Sunday school or a church environment two to five hours out of a week. It's not very much. If they get eight hours of sleep each night, that's 56 hours they spend sleeping. Eating or getting ready, about 35 hours a week. 35 hours a week they have in school. That leaves us with roughly 37 hours a week to interact with our kids, give or take a few hours. And that's only two more hours than what the schools have our kids for. When Nate was in high school and Angela was in junior high, I learned the lesson the hard way about making sure that you're communicating the things to your kids and not just, you know, hoping that they catch on and that they know, or not just assuming. I didn't even hope that my kids would catch on and know. I just assumed that they knew my values, that they knew biblical values. Um, I did do good at explaining um, why in my home we dress a certain way. My way is extremely unconventional. If anybody wants to talk to me after Bible study, I would be happy to talk to you about that. But I got a call from my sister one day and uh, in talking to her, she let me know that she was talking to both Nathan and Angela, and she recognized, she found in conversation with them, that my kids were both pro-choice. And my sister is also, but thankfully she respected me enough and she knew my values because I am who I am, no matter where I am. And she let me know because she knew that that was not my value, and she that provided me the opportunity to go to them and to talk to them. And I remember taking Angela for a walk, and you know, going over with her scripture. You know, God is the author and the finisher um, of our faith. You know, He gives, He takes away. Babies sleeping in the wombs, all the thing, and she really seemed to understand. But this is a really good example of how the enemy can slip in and indoctrinate our kids if we're not having conversations, and we don't even know what. I, I was fortunate that my sister came and told me that so that I could kind of intercept and, you know, teach my kids what scripture actually says. Um, how many things are our kids being exposed to that we're not having the appropriate conversations with them to find out what they're being exposed to? How many things are they being exposed to um, or questions are they being asked and they don't know why we do what we do? They're, who knows what they're saying, honestly. Kids are saying anything. Um, and I'm not, I want you to, I'm not against public school. My kids went to public school. But we definitely need to be having these conversations and open communication with our kids so that they do know how to respond and so they have scripture to back that up so they know the why. I was recently talking to a college student. Nobody here. She is in the stage in her life where people are starting to ask her, why do you dress the way you dress? Why don't you cut your hair? And she had that awkward moment where she realized, 
it's just what I do. Like, I, she didn't have the answer. Why don't we equip our, ki equip our kids sooner rather than that moment where they realize, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's, it's what I do. Scripture says don't cut your hair. I don't know. Come out from among them and be, be modest. Be separate. I don't know. Like, they're just throwing things out there. Equip your kids with the answers. Because if you're not equipping your kids with the answers, the world will equip your kids with some answers. Um, if we don't have a good way to explain when our kids come to us and they ask us a question, it's okay to say, you know what? I know why, but I want to look in. I want to dig into this a little bit deeper. I want to give you some scriptural backing as to why we do what we do. And maybe your kid's old enough to where you guys can dig in together, or maybe you need to just dig in alone. You know. You know your situation. These conversations with our children help us to really get ahead of them coming home and saying, I want to wear pants. Like, so-and-so wants to wear pants. And so-and-so wears pants. I want to wear pants. Well, tell them why. In this house, this is what we do. You know, if you're a family that doesn't wear pants, if you're a female, um, this is why we do what we do. And maybe your kid is still going to come home and say, oh, I want to wear pants. Keep on telling them why. It's just getting ingrained in them more and more and more and more. And that's okay. That's okay. The older your kids give it, get, the more solid of a foundation, the better understanding that they're going to have. Keep repeating yourself. Keep telling them the same scriptures over and over and over again. And also be able to quote them. So there are many things we can communicate to our kids early on. Why we don't watch certain things on TV, why we don't go to certain places, why we don't say certain things, why we don't listen to certain music. And all that I just mentioned, are they're just a couple of examples of things that our kids are going to ask us. But when we get ahead of them and we have an answer, then the enemy can't quite easily sneak in without us knowing, right? right? We've got ahead of it. Instead of trying to put out a fire, the fire didn't even start. It's not even smoldering. <clears throat> so the ball's in our court right now for most of us, mm -hmm. right? If it's not, you can still intercept. We can still teach our kids the right way to respond, why we do what we do. It's not too late. We also need to give our kids a safe space to talk to us. And this is something that I learned on accident. But when I realized it, I just kept on making sure that I was a safe space for my kids. Um, if our kids aren't talking to us, they're likely talking to nobody, and they're suppressing their emotions, which is gonna cause mental health issues, right? That's running rampant in today's culture. Or they're gonna be talking to somebody in the world, right? So we don't want them to talk to the wrong people. We want them to talk to the right people, to us, or somebody in the church. Our kids have got to be comfortable talking to us about their feelings, about their emotions, about their thoughts. If they tell us something that we don't like and we are reactive and we respond or we lash out or we're angry, we're frustrated, or maybe we start talking about so-and-so like with them or at them, we are not a safe space for our kids. We, even if we are a safe space, we haven't made them feel that way. We need to make sure that we are guiding them and we're giving them appropriate counsel. 
we need to make sure that we're teaching our kids that we're a safe place to go. And we may think, like, I, I raise you, like, I, you are my child, I am safe. But if we're not making our kids feel safe, even if it's not true, even if they are safe, they're, they're just not going to go to us. They're just not. And I know that as a parent, that doesn't seem right, but it is the way that it is. If our kids are having a hard time with something, we need to hear what they're saying and pray about how to respond. And sometimes it's appropriate to revisit that. I've had to do it with my kids. I don't always have the answers. I've also reacted and given my kids terrible advice. And that blew up in their face and I had to apologize. I taught my kids humility. So maybe when your kid comes to you and says, I'm in this situation, um, you need to seek counsel because you don't know. Maybe it's something you're unfamiliar with and maybe you need to do some research. Our kids are going through things that we've never dealt with. They know things we've never known. I grew up rough. I grew up rough. And I am Googling things to figure out what in the world my kids are talking about and what they're experiencing. It's important to do that because we need that information, we need that knowledge in order to help our kids navigate through certain situations. And they need to be able to navigate through those things because again, mental health, it's, I mean, depression, anxiety, all of that, it is through the roof right now and it's common and people are embracing it. We need to teach our kids to get ahead of those things before my kids all of a sudden having panic attacks and serious anxiety. And those things are real and they're caused from not knowing how to deal with our emotions from us not communicating to our kids the proper way. So one of the worst things that we can do is allow our reactions to our kids' circumstances, push them away from wise counsel and to seek worldly counsel and suppress their feelings. And I kind of just went over all this, so I'm not gonna talk about that. Um, we have this tool to teach our kids how to communicate to make sure that our kids are comfortable communicating with us. And I'm just really high level talking about it, but I think that if we take a step back, we can all probably think of a time if we have kids where we maybe could have handled the situation better so that our kids did feel like we were somebody that they could go to and confide in and they weren't being attacked for it. Um, in the US, 7.1% of the population claim to be LGBTQ. Roughly 21% of Generation Z identify as LGBTQ. The study I was looking at stated that the US population will hit 10% in the near future. One in 10 millennials and one in five Gen Zs will identify as LGBTQ. What does that have to do with anything? Y'all, it's here. Like, we're dealing with it. Your kids are going to deal with it. We need to equip our kids with the proper way to deal with it. If our kid comes to us and says, or our grandkid comes to us and says, hey, I'm having these feelings, like starting to question who I am, starting to question my gender, my identity, we don't know who that's gonna happen to. We have no clue, right? Instead of, no, you're not, no, just, you know, you're goofy, whatever. We're setting our kids up. We're probably setting our kids up for failure and a tough road for ourselves. What we need to do is we need to hear them, not agree with them, not condone them, hear what they're feeling, then let's find the resources and the tools to help them work through that, right? I was um, 
watching a video one time and it was a gentleman, he was Christian, he wasn't in this denomination, but when he was younger, he tried to talk to his parents and they're like, ah, like we don't talk about that, we just don't talk about it. And so he felt like there was this big thing going on in his life and he couldn't talk to anybody about it. And so eventually he left the church and he left the church bitter. Eventually, he came back to the church and I think that what he said had value, and that was we need to create a space for these people to talk to, for these, you know, for humans who are dealing with real life things, they need to be able to talk to their parents about it, right? And on the other side of that, <clears throat> we need to teach our kids, because again, they're going to be exposed to this in the schools. There's no getting around it. They're going to be exposed. They're going to be exposed in the grocery store and talking on your leg or, you see that? Like, what a kind of girl. Like, we need, to, we need to teach our kids how to love those people. We need to teach our kids how to love and how to not hate. We can love the people and not condone the lifestyle, and we've got to teach our kids that. It's so important, and I know this is, it is uncomfortable. I debated on even talking about this. But this is something that is slipping in. This is something that is real, right? I have a niece and a nephew that both claim to be bisexual. My niece came to my daughter one day and she said, so what if I said that I liked girls? Like, would you still like me? Would you still love me? She was being so serious, you know? And Angela responded, you're still my cousin. I still love you. I don't agree with that lifestyle, but I still love you. I'm not going to treat you any differently, right? Um, our kids are going to mimic how they see us treating these people. We've got to teach our kids to treat them with love and to speak the truth in love and with wisdom and in the right timing, like we talked about earlier, not with hate speech, not making fun, making sideways comments and jokes, like that's not okay. We can't teach our kids to do that. And sin is sin, and that's controversial, I know. Some people don't necessarily agree that that's the interpretation of the Bible. But, but whether, you know, sin is sin or some sins are bigger, whatever, if we don't get right, we're going to hell. So if we are treating somebody in a hateful manner, I mean... We're, what are we doing? Right. What are we? We need to repent. Right. We need to repent too. So, um, our kids are in school with kids who are facing these issues, and we may eventually end up having a kid, our grandkid, a niece or nephew, that are facing these issues, that are feeling confused because today's culture really throws it in your face, and it is really hard to navigate through that. It is really hard, and we need to make sure that we're giving these kids the tools that they need to navigate through that. I'm not condoning the behavior, but what I'm saying is we need to love the people. We need to love the people, and we need to teach our kids to love the people, and if this is something any of our kids ever deal with, we need to not just push that down. We need to talk about it. We need to give our kids what they need to work through it. There was a high school girl and she was in church and she had a friend who was a boy and he shared that he was gay. He felt extremely conflicted in who he was and she never made him feel hated. She shared 
her biblical perspective. She did not bow down to the way that he was believing. She didn't backpedal and say that she didn't believe a certain way because she didn't want to offend. She spoke truth and love. And she gave him compassion and she prayed with him. They prayed together. So all of this was not condoning. It was showing Jesus to this kid. Right. We're supposed to show Jesus to everybody. He would continue to come to her with the things that he was struggling with and while he was trying to navigate through, you know, this narrative that he thought was going to be his life. And they were friends until the girl moved away. But what I can say is that kid will look back as an adult, and he's an adult now, and say, that Christian girl really taught Like, she really treated me the right way. And we need to make sure that that's what people are going to say about us, and we need to teach our kids the same. So, throwing this one in for free, I don't think anybody's in this space yet, but pass it on. I once had a woman call me, she doesn't attend this church, but she was a sobbing about what she was going through with her teenage daughter. We were not close. Um, she knew Nate wasn't in church, and so she felt like I was a judgment-free zone, which I am. Um, I would be either way. Um, but she began to explain to me like this whole series of events that her daughter had been going through that led to this big blowout situation that she was in in that moment. And she just like just felt completely lost. So she calls me um, to offer some, to see if I could offer some perspective, maybe some advice, like a listening ear with somebody who could empathize with her. And the first thing I said to her was, have you talked to her youth pastor? Have you talked to her pastor? She said no, she didn't. She didn't because she was trying to protect her child's reputation. I hear that a lot. We're not protecting our children. We're not protecting our marriages. We're not protecting our friendships when we're withholding information from our shepherd. God has given us these shepherds, Bradley, Pastor Nate. He has given us these shepherds to help us during these trying times. It is a heck of a lot easier, maybe I shouldn't say that, it is a whole lot easier, right, to put out like a smolder in some wood than a forest fire. And this woman had a whole forest fire and so she ended up, I ended up, you know, talking her through that and why it's a good idea and she's not protecting her kid. Her kid is probably in the situation she's in right now because of her trying to protect her kid. And she ends up getting the youth pastor involved. She ends up getting the pastor involved. And that's what this kid needed. It's exactly what she needed. She needed people to be there and to be by her side and to help her and to know what was going on. They weren't judging her. They weren't judging her. That's what they're there for, right? Bradley, Andrea, Pastor Nave, Sister Krista, nobody's judging. They're there to help you, and it's a lot easier to help when they know what's going on. They're not going to know everything. Help them help you by telling them and not withholding information. This kid eventually ended up having a breakthrough and doing much better honestly probably because the right people got involved and they were the very people that the mother was protecting her daughter from so 
if you're having a hard time right now, if something has snuck into your kids' lives or your kids are dealing with a situation and you're actively protecting your kids' reputation, I already said this. Um, I'm just gonna skip it, guys, sorry. Not a public speaker. <laughs> really, that's it. All, like, everything that I just said, I know it's probably not what you were coming in here to look for. You're, what are the attacks that can come up? Well, like, let's be proactive. Let's be proactive. Let's teach our kids how to have a good foundation so that they know what the word says, so that they're praying, so they have a relationship with the Lord, so that they're fasting when they get old enough to understand all of those things, so that they can have a better understanding of what is right and what is wrong. Let's show and teach our kids what love and wisdom and integrity are right because all of those things again they are tools that we give that we're giving our kids so that things are not slipping in under the radar and communication is key we've got to talk to our kids we've got to talk to our kids that open line of communication is extremely important and i know as adults it's really hard to understand why we owe it to our kids to be so intentional about our communication skills and about making sure we're growing in our communication skills I know my mom's generation, they didn't talk about anything. Everything was brushed under the rug and not dealt with, and most of them are on blood pressure medicine right now. <laughs> and so then as a kid, when I would go to my mom and I would say things, she wouldn't talk to me about it. She would say, ask your sister. My sister was only two years older than me. What does she know about life? But we need to make sure that we're breaking that, right, and that we're learning how to communicate, that we're teaching our kids how to communicate, and then it's okay to communicate, and how to articulate what we believe and what we think. It's our job to help them as they go into this world and to help them be mentally healthy and to be able to not, to not be suppressing things. We need to do this for our kids because this is the way that they're going to make a better impact on the world. This is the way they're gonna make a difference. This is the way that they're gonna build relationships and bring people to church. This is the way people are gonna to wanna to be their friend and come to their church even though they look different. So I challenge you if you have young kids, which not many of you do, but if you have young kids, go home and talk to your kids about your biblical values. Ask them why they believe in certain things that they believe in. Ask them to show you scripture to back up those beliefs if they're that age. If not, show them scripture to back up those, belief, those beliefs. You may be surprised with what you hear. I was. I was when my sister called me that day. Who wouldn't be? In the end, our kids get to make a choice just like we made a choice. And they're going to choose to keep this spiritual wall, this umbrella. They're going to choose to keep it up and be protected by using the biblical disciplines, the principles, or they're gonna choose to remove it. They're gonna choose to not pray, to not fast, to not read, to not have love, wisdom, integrity. And scripture tells us that teach your children, you know, I'm paraphrasing, the way that they should go when they grow old, they'll not depart from it. It doesn't mean your kid doesn't have a choice. Your kid has a choice, just like you had a choice. Our kids, my kids, had a choice, just like I had a choice. Obviously, Nathan's choice breaks my heart, but here's what I know. It's in him. He, he will not depart from that truth. Whether he is living the right lifestyle, he knows where to run for protection. 
He knows where the truth is. It is in there. It is ingrained in him. No matter what he is doing, the truth will not depart from him. When he is ready to come home, he knows where to go because that's been ingrained in this kid. Okay? And I have been, Darren has been the best examples that we can be, right? We all fail. We all fall short. We're trying to figure it out. And with firstborns, you're really trying to figure it out. So it's not too late. Some of us are building our life, and some of us may be rebuilding our lives. Uh, it's harder to rebuild a house than to construct a house from like brand new ground up. When you're constructing a brand new house, it's the foundation of like you see everything. Some of us are building a new house. Kyle and Ashley, we're building a new house. Some of us are rebuilding a house, and when you're rebuilding a house, there are things that you find and you're like. What have I done? Or, you know, what did the people before me do? We had to rebuild. We had to rebuild our home, and it was really, really hard. At the end of the day, our kids are still watching us. They're watching us undo the things that we have done. They're watching our behaviors. They are watching us as we shift in the way that we conduct ourselves in public in certain situations. How we respond when somebody asks us a controversial question, when culture tries to come our way and comment our beliefs, they're watching us respond actively. My 19 and 23 year old are actively doing that. We are still parenting our kids. But in the end, all that we can do, if you're rebuilding, if you're not rebuilding, if you're starting to build, is put your best foot forward and do your very best with the tools that you have now. And don't feel like you're defeated. Don't feel like it's too late for your kid, for your family, or whatever. It is not too late. And God hears your prayers.